the pelican in her piety. It's a strange name for an inn. But tonight, I don't care. I have never felt so tired, but I have never been so happy. I stand at the window, looking out into the dark. The storm rages outside, and the rain batters the window. Lightning lights up the sky like it's day, and thunder makes it sound like the gods are throwing boulders in the sky. Rain runs down the window, and a candle flickers, causing shadows to stealthily strike across stonewashed walls. I am here. I am exhausted, but in a good way. A day of rowing the Heeraith along the coast of South Wales has brought us here, up the Ogmore estuary. It would test anyone. But now I stand in this old room, surrounded by antiques and paintings and portraits, fine ale and food, and good company. My bones feel young again. <sighs> I duck under a beam. I walk to the fireplace, a place that has harboured my friends for the last few hours as we have rested from the day of exhaustion that we have now undertaken. Three pairs of boots sit at the fireplace, like an old pack of hounds waiting for their masters. At the old wooden table, there are three seats, and two of them are taken. I sit in the third, feeling the warmth of the fire wash over me like an old blanket. It flickers rather than roars. I breathe in. This is what life is all about. A journey in search of legend. One that has brought us here, just before the storm swept in. There is a bottle of wine and three glasses on the table. I run my hand across the grooves of the old wood and think of the hundreds, if not thousands, of people who have sat here for many, many hundreds of years. Of all their trials, their tribulations, their journeys, their quests, and the things they have seen in old places such as this. I look up. My friends are looking at me. They are Bethan. And they are you. I pour the wine into the glasses and hear the luscious liquid fill them. I raise them to the sky, to the old gods, to all that have come before us. Together we toast our journey. I have not been here before. It seems a fine place, full of fine people, fine food and fine wine. But maybe Bethan can tell us more as we sit at the crackling fireplace. 
with a storm raging outside. Because there is nowhere we would rather be than here, right now. Come with me, over here to the window. See just below us near the river. It's too dark. Let's wait for a flash of lightning. There. Did you see it? The ruins of Ogmore Castle. Such a haunting silhouette on a night like this. During the day it is quite romantic setting, with the stepping stones peeking out from beneath the black, brackish waters flowing to and fro from fresh run river to briny ocean swell. It's a popular fun pastime to jump across the stones. As the tide comes in and the sound of splashing followed by laughter floats on the air. There was once a quaint custom where the farm workers would race from Merthyr Church after Sunday service across the stones to this very pub. But there is a darker side to this veil. The rain seems to have stopped, Bethan. Look! Can you see that light? Bobbing and bouncing on the dunes outside. It doesn't look like anything I've seen before. Colours. Flashing back and forth. Finish your drink. Come on, let's go. I know. I'm comfortable. I don't want to go out. But come on. We'll regret it if someone is in trouble and we leave them there. We'll be back in just a few moments, I promise you both. Come on, let's go. Oh, yeah, it might have stopped raining, Owen, but it's still really cold out here. Can you still see the light? I think it was coming from the tree line just beyond that farm. If we follow this path down past the castle, we should get to it quite soon. I've never been here at night. Whenever we came as a family, we was always in the day. We start off at the beach at Southerndown and then end up at the pub. It's got a whole other feel to it at night. All of a sudden, all the scary stories I heard growing up round here, they've all come flooding back. Would you like to hear one? The water that flows down the river Ogmore carries with it tales of fear and danger for those who idly walked the river's edge. Upstream, three springs, each with magical powers, flow together at Ski Well. The area surrounding this well was said to be the home of water ogres, who liked nothing better than to carry off local young maidens, imprisoning them within the springs themselves. These tales and the fear they spread, no doubt helped a local band of ruffians in their dark deeds. But one day, the springs ran dry, and it was said that it was because of the deeds of these men, who had polluted the spirit of the area and brought a curse upon the land. Soon the fish started to disappear from the river, only to be replaced by snakes and toads, and a terrible moaning could be heard coming from the dried-out springs. The men began to fear that they were indeed cursed, and ventured to the well to ask for forgiveness, and made a solemn vow to mend their ways. At this, the well filled with water and gushed forth. 
the men were true to their word and began to plant trees and shrubs and began to live in peace. However, the maidens still disappeared. What was that? It's just an owl. Nothing to worry about. Keep calm. We can't be far from the road now. I thought we'd be there by now. These dunes are endless. And on nights like this, it's hard to see anything. What's that? Look, a light up ahead. Must be a car. There's no road there to be a car. Look, it's just a single light. Look how fast it's moving. It's coming towards us. Look, I'll try and make it stop. Hey, watch out. Say, slow down. We're walking here. Owen, let's get off the road. What? Quickly, get off the road. It's not a car. It's not anything of this world. Look, a coach. A coach with three black horses. They say it's bad luck to see the spirit. It's the ghost of a coach and crew that crashed on a night like this years ago. Bethan, get off the road. It's going to hit you. I can't move. Where are you? Where have you gone? Owen? Owen? Oh my god, what just happened? Where am I? I can move again, oh thank goodness. Okay, deep breaths. I can hear the river if I go towards the river. I should find my way back to the Hereith, or at least the pub. What on earth was that? I'd heard tales of the coach that runs people off the road. I never expected to see it, let alone have it pass right through me. Quite a good story for the future. Okay, start walking. And now I'm talking to myself. That's okay. As long as I don't answer back. Even in this break in the storm, Mirtha Maur and Ogmo is not a place to be alone after dark, on a winding way or a treacherous path. Where is Bethan? Where are you? Where is the Hiraith? be alone here is to feel truly alone. For once on this track stood a treacherous place called the New Inn. It was run by one of the most notorious serial killers and highwaymen that Wales had ever known. Cap Koch, they called him. And many a person who stayed at the New Inn did not awake in the morning, but was found days, weeks, even months later floating in the Ogmore estuary, their throat cut back to their backbone. 
goods and belongings taken. Many years after Cap Koch had died, they knocked down the new inn, took down the walls, dug up the garden, tore down the cellar, and found skeleton after skeleton after skeleton, all with a deep groove in the backbone where their throats had been cut and their bodies buried and forgotten. An old storeroom was found full of cases and goods belonging to those people. It seems that for many years, dark, dark deeds were done in the new inn. No one knows where it is now, just detritus amongst the dunes. Here I am, and it said that Cap Koch's ghost roams these paths. Wait, what's that? They are looming out of the shadow. Candleston Castle. It was never a castle, just a fortified manor house, and now it's just a mossy ruin, lost among the dunes. But it is a place of true terror. The back of the 18th century, a man, a man called Howell Gwen, was lost on these dunes, just like I am now. And he made his way into Candleston Castle. The walls stretching to the sky, covered in moss. Perpetually wet. Always dark. Full of shadows and shadows, shadows. In those days, there at the back of the ruin was an old cross. Been there since time immemorial. Some people say it was there when the Celtic people ruled these lands. Before the men from Rome marched through there. Howell walked forward. He thought he would sleep there under the cross, for there, of course, there would be protection. He would await for the sun to come up the next morning, for the time between times, the time when it's neither night nor day, but the sun had gone and the sky is grey, to start moving again. Took off his coat, put it under his head, and lay down next to the stone. At midnight, far away, he could hear church bells ringing. It just caused his eyes to open. As he sat up, something whooshed past him. Something just out of vision. Something passing from one world to another. A spirit, a spectre, we know not what. He stood up afraid and pulled out his knife. But then a spectral hand grabbed hold of his arm and he felt a chill like the grave. He dropped the knife on the floor. It hit the stone with a clang. The hand turned him round with strength that was not of this world. He heard a voice in his head telling him to beg, telling him to be gone from this place, telling him to give up on this life. This spectral force then forced him to his knees, his face pressed up against the stone, his arms wrapped around it. He could not move an inch. He tried to cry out, but no voice came from him. He could feel the arms holding him still. The spirit spoke in a voice as old as the mountains and as capricious as the sea in his ear. His face was pressed against the cross. But it's then that the horror truly started. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see the stones, the bushes, 
the broken down ruins of the Candleston Castle. And then movement started amongst the stones. First of all, sliding back and forth, slipping, skulking, small creatures hopping over the stones. Their eyes were red, their noses were large, and each of them wore a red, brown or green cap. Small bits of armour hung from their flesh, and each of them carried a small knife. They all spoke in chittering, horrible, gasping voices. Goblins from the dunes. The spirit held him close, and Howell tried with all his might to move, but it would not let him. Forming a circle around him, the goblins came forward, each of them speaking and holding their daggers high in a terrible dance. Each of them stepped forward, crying a caustic. Howell knew at this moment he was about to die. He could not move. As the goblins grew closer, he could smell the stench from their breath. And then he did the one thing that he could only think of doing. As he tried to speak, he could barely make a sound. But what he could make was the sound of the Lord's Prayer. Eintard, Uithanenevoith, Koviasi. As he spoke in that voice, suddenly the dark spirit that held him in tight seemed to dissipate. Suddenly the goblins seemed unsure. Suddenly, a light, the moon seemed to cross from beneath the clouds to shine in the sky. And suddenly he was released, falling to the ground. He turned over with his back to the stone and saw the creatures turning and scuttling and scurrying away into the ruins. He tried to gather his breath. He felt like his heart would beat and burst from his chest. But still, the area was clear. There was nothing around. The sky that was full of cold suddenly seemed warmer. The dark, perpetual, suddenly seemed lighter. And Howell rose to his feet, placed his dagger in his belt, and ran from Candleston Castle. Ran and ran as fast as his legs could carry him, till he came to a church and threw himself at the door, saying that the Lord had saved him from terrible creatures this night. The locals then knew that place, that stone, that monument to time immemorial and called it the Goblin Stone. They waited for midsummer, they waited for the sun to shine high in the sky and then ten men from the village came with ropes and a cart and a horse, placed it on the back of the cart and took it to the church nearby where it remains to this day. Of course, there have still been sightings of the goblins in the dunes. Sightings of eyes, red piercing eyes amongst the trees. The smell of their perpetual stinking breath. The chittering and gibbering of their voices. But Howell escaped. And the goblin stone is still there for all to see. And of the spirit that held him tight so that he could not move. There have been many reports of it here in Candleston Castle where I am now on the darkest night following a storm wait they're breaking the clouds
and the moon's just come out from behind those clouds. That'll make it easier to find my way back. Although, I suppose there's always a chance I could see the white lady tonight. Or should I say one of the white ladies of this area? For there are many, many ghosts that roam these lands. We're not that far from you any. Actually, I can see it from here. And the marshes just beyond. I do know a story about that marsh. The White Lady of Yueni. She would often be seen roaming the marshy fields at twilight in a state of despair, mournfully pointing across the fields. It was said that she knew the location of buried treasure, though few were brave enough to approach her. One man who did possess the courage asked her did she need any help, and she begged him to hold tightly to her wrists and not let go no matter what happened. He did as she asked, but was startled by the sound of a dog growling nearby. Knowing full well the tales of the black dog with glowing red eyes that prowled the area, he let go of her hands in terror. The lady's face contorted in rage, screaming, Now she's bound for another seven years. He ran in terror, and upon relating the story to the villagers, they told him that she was bound to the treasure for some terrible deed she had committed. She was not the only white lady to haunt this vale, however, for another prowled in the ruins of Ogmore Castle. This spectre was altogether more terrifying, and guarded treasure said to be buried under the flooring of the tower. Legend says that she once allowed a young man to seek his hiding place, but made him promise to only take half the treasure, leaving the rest for her. He found beneath a flagstone a pot full of guineas, and true to his word took only half, and the spirit let him go. However, greed soon brought him back to the castle, and upon taking the rest of the treasure, the spectre descended upon him. She had talons for fingers, and ripped and beat him to within an inch of his life. Managing to escape her clutches, he made it home, where it was believed he had gotten into a drunken brawl. It wasn't long, however, before he became gravely ill with a mysterious illness, and before dying, he confessed to the truth of what had happened. It was said that he had died from an illness known as the White Lady's Revenge. 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 Now I've got myself quite scared. I'm going to pick up the pace and try and find my way back. Actually, I think I can see the Hairwraith. And I think I can see Owen, thank goodness. I never thought I'd be keen to leave a place like this. Come on, let's get aboard. Who's there? It's me. I'm okay, I'm okay. W what are you doing? Well, I'm putting the Hairwraith to water. I don't want to stay here a minute more than we have to. Are you okay? I I've been really worried. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know it's been bad, but I don't want to leave. What do you mean? Do you know what Hairwraith means? Yeah, it's an old Welsh word. It means longing or desire for home or Wales. 
This is my home. Okay. Let's wait for the dawn before we move. It'll be the time between times soon, and when the sun comes up, we'll leave and we'll head west. Agreed. 